Welcome once again aboard Beef Station, Starship Beef Station, hurtling through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. And we've picked up a hitchhiker along the way in the form of long-time listener, first-time caller, Mr. Callum. How are we doing? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank, thanks for coming on. Welcome aboard. This ain't no call, though. He's in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> he is here with us. Authentic. <laughs> Should we launch straight into it? This week, yeah. episode nine, we're going to be talking about Jurassic Park. Uh, primarily because there's finally a movie that's come out in the cinemas that some of us are interested in seeing. Yeah. So we went to see the new Jurassic Park movie, which is Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. No, it's Jurassic World. Fuck. And then in preparation for that, we saw Jurassic World 1 the other day. Yeah. And we've both gone back and seen the original Jurassic Park, yeah. which came out in like 1993. We visited Steven Spielberg and he gave us Jurassic <laughs> Park, which was lovely. Steven, you got one of them Jurassic Park DVDs kicking around? <laughs> and this, of course, um, as astute Beef Station listeners would know, this is the first time that I've actually seen Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, so we figured that we'd document my Jurassic Park cherry popping moment right here on the pod for you all listening Awful. at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so okay, the first Jurassic Park, directed by Steven Spielberg, um, it had a... Yeah, it it was based on a novel written by Michael Crichton, um, who's an excellent author that I think I've recommended. Yeah. You should go back and check yeah, it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Crichton actually wrote Westworld, Westworld, which yeah, is yeah, big yeah. now as well. Yeah. So he He's, seems to have written all sorts he of crazy did shit. Stuff, and man. ER, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, importantly about this is that he also adapted his book to the screenplay. So the author of the book was the one who adapted oh, it to right. the screenplay. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, that's cool. Which I think is really important because you don't lose a lot of stuff that you might lose if someone else has to get involved. Yeah. Right? Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune says that um, Crichton's writing is cinematically... Crichton. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> cinematically preordained. The way that he writes really lends itself well to the right, formula okay. of a film. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's so, like, you know, I've always been interested in dinosaurs. He goes, really? <laughs> oh, really, yeah? <laughs> How do you feel about parks? Because <laughs> boy, have I got an idea for you. Um, yeah, so like, I, I just think that really contributed. You say he's talented? He's fucking not. He wrote like a, an American Westerns theme park that goes out of control. Yeah, he just this writes stories about theme parks. dinosaur theme parks going out of control. <laughs> Next thing, like season 27 of ER is going to zoom out to turn out that it's a medical theme theme park that's going out of control. I'm actually not sure uh, whether or not his Westworld thing was that heavily influenced because I don't know. Um, so for a brief overview of the plot of uh, Jurassic Park, what happens is right. um, there's an eccentric billionaire and he's designed, they've gone back and pulled a mosquito out of amber that was fossilized after it fed on a dinosaur and they've extracted the dinosaur's blood. And he's worked out that if he DNA. has this like super preserved bit of blood that was in the mosquito, yeah, he yeah. can create new clones of dinosaurs. Yeah, and so like there are issues with that, so they fill it in with some existing animals at the moment. <laughs> anyway, the reason why Sam Neill's character and I can't remember the actress. Like Laura Dern name. or something. Yeah, shit. Laura Dern, yes, thank you. So the reason why those characters get involved is because the insurance <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> oh, oh man! Shout I, out I, to Grace Monkey for that production. I really hope that monster burp came from <laughs> the edit. So good. <laughs> Callum sort of tilted his mouth about three centimeters away from the mic and was like, "That'll do." All <laughs> <laughs> right, my first I'm ready to let loose. <laughs> yeah, thanks. To the episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh. <laughs> so this, this okay. billionaire, he has this process for 
cloning dinosaurs. They need insurance to sign off on it. And insurance won't sign off on it unless they get expert opinions that approve the park. And, and so he approaches where... these paleontologists, Sam yeah, Neill and exactly. Laura Dern, yeah. to be like, hey, you guys are famous or well-known or reputable dinosaur yeah. scientists. Um, dinosaur scient- <laughs> oh. Paleontologists. <laughs> I feel like there was a, there's a gag hiding there somewhere, but... Yeah, he can't put the beef station lightning in a bottle. You know, dinosaurantists. Dinosaurantists. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, "Hey, come for a free trip. My park's not quite finished yet, but come and have a look. And if you like it, sign off, and then I'll be able to open this park, and it'll be great." Yeah, uh, everything goes great. They go, they see some dinosaurs. Um, they say, "Yeah, looks good to me," and then they go home. <laughs> well, something that I thought was weird—not really weird—like as soon as I the movie started, I'm like, "Oh, fucking, of course." Uh, was um, the only bit of this movie that I had really sort of been familiar with was like the welcome to Jurassic Park really yeah okay. and then so I wrote I, down like 20 iconic scenes oh yeah so movie. like in my head I thought that the movie started with that <laughs> but then <laughs> like opening as, credits yeah, yeah yeah so like I watched it and it started like that scene wasn't there and I caught myself at the moment like hold on where's the jeep scene I'm like oh that would have put zero context oh yeah I that guess I gotta no establish sense. a tiny little bit before <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and so this yeah. park is like on a tropical island off the coast yeah. I think, I think I, in the movie they say imagined. it's off the coast of Costa Rica yeah, but right. I think they actually filmed it in like Hawaii so it's this like huge big jungle looking thing and you don't actually see much of a theme park which yeah. I didn't really know it's not it's, it's more like a safari track with like big fences up to hold these dinosaurs mm. back and most of the film is sort of like this adventure thing where they're sort of just going through and seeing the dinosaurs and then that's kind of the film it feels like nothing, yeah. ha- nothing much actually happens in the film but I enjoyed it the whole time you know what I mean? Like. No. Well, I think a little more than yeah, yeah, happens in the film. Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. Like you, you turn the movie on and it's just the opening credits, and it freezes on the opening credits for yeah, like two it's hours. So weird that the movie's and only then... forty-five minutes long, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> he puts up the. I mean, I thought it was a weird creative choice for Spielberg to put up that. Like it's it's like a like a little box in the middle of the screen that says like error movie not downloaded correctly. <laughs> yeah. But it was no, I just I just mean like no, I think a lot of shit happens. It seemed like it was like a, you know, a classic old-timey adventure film where like these two people that have mm. no idea who this guy is get whisked away to this foreign island and all this shit happens and they're like, "All right, now it's over." And they go back to their day jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, so, like like almost like a ma- I think Narnia the bit that you missed right magic before, faraway tree thing. I think that the bit that you missed right before now it's over is the bulk of the movie. Because <laughs> yeah. when you say like old timey I feel yeah. like the film is it's kind of that like classic Promethean story where it's like Ooh. there's something that's forbidden yeah, yeah, to man yeah. they acquire it anyway and then like nothing but chaos ensues and they're like punished yeah. for it yeah I-, I totally agree some of the philosophical elements that are approached mainly by um, fucking Jeff Goldblum Jeff Goldblum's I-, I think that was a good yeah, character oh, I thought film. he was yeah. annoying I-, I think he made this great yeah, point yeah. and then he made it again and then again and it's like an hour and a half in and he's like has anyone ever thought about the ethical consequences of this <laughs> we're like yes Jeff we get it fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he even um, says at the end like god I hate being right all the time like oh I feel like it well I felt at least that it is considering it's kind of thematically similar to things like Frankenstein or like Paradise Lost Paradise Lost even (laughs) and um, (laughs) the fact that it still manages to be like a philosophical film despite being like kind of like a cheesy action-y 90s yeah I feel like this is part of like this small group of like classic 80s 90s movies that I associate with each other Mm. you've got like Back to the Future Jurassic Park and Ghostbusters I feel like are these huge big cornerstones of like nostalgia kind of children's cinema of the early 90s that everyone is really fond for yeah and I don't know whether has Spielberg involved in all of those or just just Jurassic Park yeah, yeah, okay. It, it shows that it, the film's really stood the test of time, that it's sort of like a huge movie of the 90s along with those other fantastic films. Yeah, well, I... Robert Zemecker. 
watched Jamaica's. it the first time for this podcast. Yeah. Um, oh, right. So you had Jurassic Park. I, I, Jurassic so, Park. I had oh, not so seen Jurassic seen it Park. Okay. Right, me neither. And I, I thought it was an enjoyable watch. Like, and I yeah. guess I don't have any like nostalgia for the yeah, film or anything yeah. like that. And I thought, I mean, the special I, effects and the dialogue are like a little dated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but... see, I think I missed a couple of episodes ago. I think I offhandedly said, oh, everyone knows the special effects in Jurassic Park haven't held up well, but I misspoke. I think they actually have. I think Jurassic Park is sort of well known for having, for that for that era of movies, yeah. Yeah. effects that have held up quite well. Yeah. Um, and so, like, maybe they're they're a bit dated, but I think the fact that a lot of because a lot of it's actually practical. I watched this like making of featurette for it, and like that, there's this big scene about halfway through the film with a huge dinosaur that attacks their car. It's a T Rex. T Rex. Sorry, I just thought I'd give out the entire. <laughs> Don't want to make any spoilers, but they get attacked by this huge dinosaur. Wait till you find out what species it is. <laughs> it's a giant fucking T Rex, and that's actually a life size puppet that they built. Like it's like fucking like ten feet tall. This like animatronic T Rex puppet. I think uh, in like Star Wars, like the Battle of Hoth, that was all like, like actual puppets. Like the... <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like that was, <laughs> that a, was life-size a life-size giant walking robot. Yeah, yeah, no, that was one of the things that people say is a strength about the... <laughs> Star Wars. Took so long to make because they had to invent a laser cannon. First. <laughs> <laughs> they had to convince an evil empire to take over the galaxy and overthrow it. It was more like Borat set up, set up <laughs> these pins and watched... acting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think people do say that that's a strength of the original trilogy is that it used physical effects rather than yeah, um, yeah. CGI. So, yeah, definitely. But I think part of the reason why it's aged really well is the storytelling just being by... Um, so, Crichton wrote the script, but he wrote it with a guy called David Kep. We mentioned uh, him before, yeah. Yeah, and he also worked on uh, Toy Soldiers, which was a, a film that was better than it had any right to be. <laughs> He also worked on Mission Impossible, Spider-Man, the 2002 Tobey Maguire one, Spielberg's War of the Worlds, yeah. and then Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. We, we mentioned him so, a few weeks ago. He's one of the most box office gross-wise, um, one of the most successful screenwriters of yeah, all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is a great example of what happens when you get a film that could end up as a really shitty action film, but the writers behind it are absolute powerhouses, even mm. more so because you've got the original author of a fantastic book. And also, it's interesting that um, Crichton's initial concept for this, I remember reading, was that yeah. he said, what if a PhD student inadvertently managed to create a dinosaur? And right. then he was thinking about the concept of that, which is really Promethean and it's kind of yeah. like simplicity. And then he was uh, sort of thinking, right, well, what do you do with that then? Because it, you can't farm with dinosaurs. There's no practical application. You know, you can't... We, we've already invented cars. We've got better things than dinosaurs yeah. now. So he said, right, well, the only thing that it would be sensibly used for is entertainment. I think I, I watched an interview where he was trying to... Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think I was watching an interview where he was talking about how, like, like practically speaking, where would you get this much fucking money to do something yeah, like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. The whole movie is basically like an insurancy investy kind of plot. Yeah. And somehow it's still interesting. Well, that's... Uh, we had a couple uh, of movies if you've like read that. A, if you've read a lot of Crichton, a lot of his shit is like that. How would this actually go? if you really tried to do this thing, yeah. it's like, well, you'd need insurance companies to be involved <laughs> and they would be the real sticking point is like, they'd be it's, real fuckers about getting this park up. You're like, so. like, yeah, like the fact that it sort of focuses on the sort of bureaucracy around getting yeah. a dinosaur yeah, exactly. park. Yeah. Like set up yeah. for the public. <laughs> 
was I, realistic, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mention this a lot, and it's only because it annoys me a lot. Like, the idea that people say The Phantom Menace was terrible because it talked too much about politics, and I thought I'm inclined to agree with them. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, there are so many fucking movies that are great, like Jurassic Park and The Incredibles 2, that at their heart have a weird plot that's all about, like, insurance or politics or yeah, fucking, like... the impact of bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, about bureaucracy. And they're great. So it just mm. makes me mad that they had, like, you know, they had fucking Star Wars that they could rest on the laurels of, and they still fucked yeah. it. Um, no, it is tragic but this one's a real a really great example of how that can not be core to the film because i wouldn't say it's really core but i would say that it it definitely is like a um a really strong platform to kind of start the plot and get it going on yeah it's really interesting i also really like how um so we're introduced to this film um through like the is it the lawyer character is that kind of the first guy I think so. Yeah, there's, there's like a like a bumbly lawyer with a suitcase and like a pristine yeah. suit that's like on a raft on the Amazon River. Or I think something, that is that is how some... it starts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's it, like within, this... within the first minute, five minutes, there's about seven different exotic locations. This, this poor dude. Yeah, finds they go to office. three places in the first six minutes. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very Spielbergian in its like establishment. Yeah. Um, how we get a lot of the characters kind of straight up, yeah. and then they all come and meet each other. But I think one of the <laughs> other real strengths of this film is that characterization is really good. Yeah. So like the lawyer that we meet at first is like this he's the reason why the film kind of happens is this legality this insurance company sort of shit yeah um but he's also like a feckless fucking loser <laughs> and he's like wearing a suit in the middle of the amazon rainforest yeah. to an amber mine he's clearly a moron <laughs> and i think it's really interesting because all of the characters kind of reflect their professions really well or like not their professions but the um the, like the, sort of the, archetypes the, of... yeah exactly the, uh, spielberg's impression of their professions or how they relate to yeah. the park so like yeah. sam neill's character is a paleontologist um but he's really passionate and he'll like he's quite serious and stern yeah so like when they first get to the island sam neill's and laura dern's character they get to the island yeah. and uh, richard attenborough's character takes them on the the ride that is the introduction to the park yeah. Um, where the audience at the same time as them is introduced to what the park does, how it works. Is this the one where he's, they're sort of watching a slide? The show. DNA cartoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So, like, Sam Neill actually physically breaks out of the restraints. He he has a question, and Richard Attenborough's like, uh, can we leave this until the ride's done? And he, like, physically breaks the restraints of the ride to get up and go and ask scientists questions. So, I think it's really interesting <laughs> that, like, his character will aggressively pursue knowledge. Yeah. And that kind of reflects that paleontologist thing where you have to, like, go out and dig into the fucking dirt to find yeah, to like get... the yeah, ancient exactly. remnants of what you've studied yeah, for like so, yeah yeah I thought that was really good like Attenborough's a great archetypal uh, CEO like eccentric kind yeah. of billionaire I read that that actor hadn't been in a movie for like 10 or 15 some insane Richard amount of time yeah and they got yeah. him back like into the biz to do this film mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't like he was just some fucking old English guy. Like, I don't think he yeah. was so good. He would have been like, we have to get this guy out of retirement to get back. Like, he ma- didn't. He maybe didn't, he's like, just been in loads of that role. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was good, but maybe he's just been in loads of films that we haven't really seen. So this yeah, is the only one I've I seen. So. And yeah. like Jeff Goldblum, actually, as a as an actor, like reflected this kind of like what does he call himself? Like a chaos chaotician or something? Oh, I don't know. He's like he specializes in chaos theory. He's, like, he's supposed to be this like mathematician, but he's like this hotshot guy with a leather jacket and like abs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. kind of like the most gorgeous man you've ever seen yeah. kind of thing. There's like, literally oh, a scene the... of him like lying on his side like a fucking honest <laughs> <Yeah. Adonis laughs> with his yeah. shirt off. Like, yeah. He's like injured and he's literally like reclining shirtless. Yeah. He was this, so he's this chaos mathematician. Even the way he speaks is unpredictable and kind of like abnormal. 
Um, he's the weirdest, most eccentric character, I think. But they made what they... Uh, I think the characterization is so strong because yeah. they, the, the casting was good. It really meant they made their roles be reflected in who they were, who they acted like, who they felt yeah. like. The short of it is that they're believable, right? Like you have these like yeah. Hollywood actors they're trying to cast as these like science nerds. And I think it's kind of... They don't do it in such a stereotypical way that you're like, oh, come on. Like it's not like Laura Dern there with big fucking plastic frame glasses talking about science. Like yeah. they're just clearly... They play it as like clearly passionate about these dinosaurs and you kind of believe it and so you want to be involved in the story and watch them sort of go and have fun i think it goes one step deeper than that where they've gone <laughs> it because not any not any actor could convincingly play these roles whereas i think yeah. if you take something like without getting too much stuck into a jurassic world yeah i think any actor could have played any role in that film what did you think of the um i thought that there was a lot of like spectacular shots of the island and the landscapes as you go in um, I haven't watched a Spielberg film in a, film in a while, but he's definitely good at what he does. And there's lots of great. He like, was, yeah. It, <laughs> it cuts to the chase really quickly. Like you get just the right amount of setup to keep you intrigued. Yeah. And it cuts between the different storylines that are happening at just a pace where you're interested the whole time, and you're not like, oh fucking get to the get to the fucking dinosaurs, you know. I think this might have been one of the. I mean, no, John Williams has been in the biz for ages, but something I definitely noticed is that the the, the score for Jurassic Park was fucking great. Excellent. Like not even just Absolutely the theme. Excellent. Like there was a moment like right after. It was like, welcome to Jurassic Park. And they have their moment with the dinosaur. And then they drive off to the, the the main reception area of the park. Where it's just like a scene where they're just briefly like driving in a Jeep along a road. And it has like the coolest little score. I'm like, man, he's wasting all these great ideas. But it just keeps coming. And the whole score is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, that culminates in that absolutely iconic scene where they're in the Jeep. Jeeps, yeah. And they pull up next to the the herd of sauropods. And uh, Sam Neill like reaches down and turns Laura Dern's head. And they both yeah, stand yeah, yeah. up. And <laughs> you get the main triumphant like Jurassic theme which yeah. is something that, yeah, that's just one of those yeah, films. Okay. And that moments, was like you know? one of those iconic scenes, which I hadn't personally seen before, but I was still like, well, that's a good shot. Yeah. There. Well, there were yeah. loads of little bits where I was like, oh, that's what that's from. Yeah, like the, I forget um... that Shoot Her is from this film. Like, <laughs> Shoot Her. <laughs> oh, right. That's from this movie. <laughs> like, that sounds like it's been in a lot of movies. Actually, that's, that's where this movie yeah. starts. We're wrong. It's not with the lawyers. It's with the first scene where they're getting a fucking velociraptor out of a cage. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. this movie starts with a dinosaur killing someone. Yeah. And I think that's super important. I think it's a lot scarier. It's not, that, not that I was not that I was scared, but like <laughs> the film's a lot scarier than I thought Imagine it was that. gonna be. Imagine being scared. <laughs> like I just didn't think that it was gonna try and be like a scary kind of thriller kind yeah, of film. Yeah, yeah. In the second half of the film it definitely was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. The bit that you're talking about was total child's play. I yeah. wasn't scared by that at all. <laughs> no, I think what one thing that and I'll talk about this a little more when we start talking about Jurassic World, but yeah. um this film straight up starts by establishing how dangerous the dinosaurs are. Yeah. And it does that because it fucking kills someone right yeah. in front of us and then, and then they have to kill it because it's got him and it's not fucking letting go and, and like we see a person die in another man's arm and then like at the Sam Neil, dinosaur. Yeah, and then like Sam Neill describes why velociraptors are terrifying and yeah. the perfect predators yeah. like vomit. But even then, I think that's weaker than physically, sh like visually showing it killing someone. Are you saying that rather than them telling us it, you'd rather they showed you. This is a show don't tell episode. <laughs> yeah. This is a show don't tell episode. But it's interesting because in the in Jurassic World, we're informed that they're dangerous because Bryce Dallas Howard's character, yeah, one of the first interactions about a dinosaur that she actually has is where she's telling a guy how dangerous it is. Well, I feel like if it's a sequel, you you can sort of assume that people have seen the other ones a little bit. Nah, familiar enough excuse. with them that yeah, no, okay. <laughs> she she says like 
one of the workers almost lost an arm or something right. like that. And it's like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't, I watched a dude get fucking killed by one of these things. You're telling me how dangerous they are. I don't give a shit. They definitely feel like different kinds of movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are. I, I do have one thing to say just before we get super stuck into um, Jurassic World. And that's that I've got a real bone to pick with some cunts at the Australian Dinosaur Museum. <laughs> because when I went there in 2001. <laughs> oh God. My shitheel moron tour guide told me that uh, actually Brontosaurus doesn't exist. Um, well, that was true. Isn't there like a... And that, sh- listen up. <laughs> and that it was a discovery falsely made because there was a new species that was found and it was too similar like to skeleton. the Diplodocai family. Fucking listen up, right? <laughs> Because this is a dinosaur anatomy podcast now. Findings of a 2015 study indicate right. that other species in the Apatosaurus group, within which Brontosaurus had been wrongfully imprisoned, right. generally had thicker necks and differently shaped shoulder blades and ankle bones, which indicate that Brontosaurus is a distinct species. What are you talking about? I don't understand. From the Apatosaurus and Diplodocus species grouping. <laughs> Stick with me. Furthermore, if you, like me, once loved a little show called The Walking with Dinosaurs series. <laughs> And you, like me, watched it enough times to remember that the segment in episode two, (laughs) Time of the Titans, follows the life of a female Diplodocus. You would be aware that that episode espouses that sauropod neck posture. (laughs) Discourse generally accepts that the 90 degree upright neck posture of sauropods was in fact inaccurate and has been commonly misrepresented throughout the past century. So if you, like me, thought that sauropods generally maintained a near horizontal neck posture, you were wrong. Oh, so... So are dinosaurs real or not? No. <laughs> I knew it. But we're getting there. Uh, when I saw that first scene um, where Sam Neill sees the fucking brontosaurus and he's like... So you're saying brontosaurus are real amazing. or not? I don't get it. Yeah, they are real. And this, this lady at the like, museum said right, they're not real. Yeah, right. so fuck that lady. But <laughs> basically, I was watching this and I was like, well, fucking Spielberg should have watched episode two, Time of the Titans, because then yeah. he would have known that these brontosaurus could never have stuck their necks up <laughs> 90 degrees like that to reach the top of the treetops. Right. They would have had to have been sitting horizontal. <laughs> it's like, this fucking moron doesn't know his shit. But recently, 2015, a study was published that indicates that Brontosaurus, one of the only species of sauropods that can actually lift their head up to 90 degrees. So actually, he was right. <laughs> oh my God. And Stephen, I apologize. What I won't apologize for is that DNA has a half-life of 521 years, and it's generally accepted in the scientific community that it's not possible to extract dinosaur DNA from a mosquito. Right, so you're, you're, already so you're saying that the uh, detailed scientific description of how to clone dinosaurs might not necessarily have been 100% accurate and yep. doesn't really stand up to critical What inquiry. I'm saying is, if that was Michael Crichton's understanding of ribosomes, <laughs> then I'm glad that he died of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought a bit more about the effects in Jurassic Park, and I don't know if um, either of you know this, but it was sort of done, the Jurassic Park, at a time when computer graphics were just starting to be on the rise and practical effects were perhaps fading a little bit and as a consequence this film has a great combination of computer graphics and practical effects I feel like I remember reading in like a Guinness Book of World Records or something like that that this was one of the first like huge practical effects movies visual VFX movies yeah like CGI yeah I remember he was saying about or he um, in this doco that I was watching Spielberg, Spielberg <laughs> was saying about um, how there's a lot of animatronic dinosaurs so like the triceratops that's wounded that they then go and sort of comfort within the first 20 minutes that's a real that's a real triceratops. <laughs> that's a um, 
that's um, like a like an animatronic thing that has like five people controlling his breathing and it's blinking and all this shit. The T-Rex that happens during that chase scene, that's an animatronic T-Rex. But then there's other shit where they were saying, for example, oh, we can't use the animatronic stuff for these wide shots. So then for the wide shots, they were trying to think about how they get dinosaurs. And um, Michael Greitman was like, no, have you read the book? I have this whole thing. We can just clone him. And like, no, Michael. The half-life of DNA is 500 years. Shut up. And so they were going to do this thing where they like have stop motion. And so they built little stop motion dinosaur models. Oh, fuck. And they were going to do that. Like, so that was apparently, so that, that was how they used to do shit. So, you know, the old, the old, old King Kong movie yeah, yeah, was all yeah. stop motion, that kind of shit. And so they were going to do that. And I guess like, you know, halfway through them sort of setting that shit up. Someone was like, hey, Steven, you seen this computer thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I which, can do it on computers now. <laughs> yeah, which happened a lot in Jurassic Park, actually. It's so 90s as a movie. Like there's this whole fucking scene where Sam Neill's like, oh, I hate computers. <laughs> <laughs> oh god the computer shit in this film was approaching like oh, was the bit... computer shit in like uh, like Ocean's CSI Atlanta or something and... oh, oh, it was a bit much it. like there's this computer hacking scene where this 12 year old's like oh, it's a Unix system I know this it's the most early 1990s computer scene yeah. fucking ever <laughs> like where a 12 year old girl has an in-depth understanding of like allegedly a complex security system yeah, and then it's actually like a 3D visual representation <laughs> yeah. of the layout like, of the park it's, it's like a Nintendo game or something within yeah. the thing yeah it's makes like, no, sense. you know what it should have been it should have been a command prompt window with a fucking <laughs> blinking cursor and that's it and she's like uh i don't really know what i'm doing and then everyone else is like yeah me neither because this industry hasn't really kicked off yet <laughs> yeah i mean that would have been thrilling really they should have let it spielberg yeah. yeah and so what they did for the wide shots so some of some of those shots because they're like oh the cg actually looks great so some of those shots where it's like you know the dinosaurs like running through the fields is cg but then for the more complex shit where they need like complex movements they got the little models that they had developed for the stop motion and they hooked up to sensors to them and they had this whole system where like you could pose the model and then the computer generated dinosaur on the computer would sort of have that pose and that, so you could almost do stop motion uh, with you, a puppet yeah you could do yeah. stop motion with a puppet where the puppet is controlling what the model on the computer was doing so you yeah, had like right. stop motion created CG graphics oh, that's... So, and I, re- I really enjoyed Jurassic Park and I think it's crazy that I hadn't seen it up until now it definitely, I definitely would have enjoyed it a lot more as a kid but it was great to go back after I'd sort of seen how all the effects had done and sort of watch it and have a new appreciation of like how amazing it must have been to sort of do that shot yeah because I feel like that's not something you get in movies these days like watching you be like god how do they do that because these days like if you have any movie that you have that you're like oh it's all CG so who gives a shit does anyone have anything else on Jurassic Park there are so many fucking iconic scenes in this film there's the his vision is based on movement yeah, I didn't um, know that was from that. Life the, finds a way. The Samuel L. Jackson That's like hold on to your butts. Samuel L. Jackson. I didn't even know in he... this fucking movie. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> hold, hold on to your butts was from this clever girl. Yeah, it, I, think, I think I knew that. Well, it's just amazing mm. that like there are maybe ten moments yeah. that sort of everybody in air quotes knows about, and they're all from the same fucking movie. Yeah. Whereas these days you get like maybe one. Something I thought maybe it's because I hadn't seen it before. I thought that Richard Attenborough's character was going to be set up to be a bit of a villain because he seemed yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. sinister yeah. like there's this bit right at the start where he's sort of talking in this British accent and he goes like oh it's all going according to schedule oh I mean schedule it's a weird thing for him to correct himself on. I'm like yeah. oh, is he really like a Russian villain or something and then later on when you there's this scene where the, the velociraptor is hatching out of the egg they yeah. go out of their way to be like no the dinosaur imprints itself upon the first being that it comes into contact with so I always insist to be there when they're born yeah. and I thought like oh, he's gonna, gonna be it's the gonna come back king. and yeah and he's gonna like be able to control these velociraptors Velociraptors somehow, but no, that's crazy. Because imagine being able to control Velociraptors—they're wild animals. I think that would be a really <laughs> shit plot device. No, I thought I thought that would have been cool. So if I was going to go back and remake one of the most iconic films of all 
time. Would have been cool if he was if he was the villain. If I was like, oh, look at you, Oscar. You're seeing where this is coming. You got him at every turn. Spielberg thinks he's so clever. Yeah. And then the credits roll and I was wrong. I'm like, oh, okay. As, as we just did, foreshadowing the idea of someone controlling the Velociraptors. I think this, oh! I think this film does foreshadowing really well. <laughs> uh, after all the establishing shit, the first thing that really happens is they go on this tour of the park. All the guests go on this tour and they drop past all of the cages of the dinosaurs, the, the enclosures, and none of the dinosaurs are there. But we're given a bit of information about them. We're introduced to the name and we're yeah, yeah. sort of given bits and pieces about them. And I'm pretty sure every dinosaur that's foreshadowed in that bit there is one of the dinosaurs that comes back to be an obstacle to be overcome right. later in the film. So you got some really good like Chekhov's gun shit going on, including like when he's, um, they've just escaped the fucking T-Rex and yeah. he rests on something uncomfortably and he pulls it out of his pocket and it's a Velociraptor claw. And that serves to remind us that the Velociraptors are still out there because that's the next animal that, that they encounter and that's yeah. the next yeah. thing that goes wrong. It does that like three times where like something happens that alerts you, just flags the next dinosaur that they're going to have to overcome. And oh, I yeah. felt like that could have been really on the nose, but was subtle enough that it was actually really I think strong. it was good. It felt tight. So, a movie that didn't feel tight. <laughs> Jurassic World. See, that's the thing. So we've all just come back from watching Jurassic World 2, or yep. fucking Fallen Kingdom, whatever it's called. Whatever I fun. thought the first Jurassic World was actually fine. I enjoyed it, and I thought it was all right. And there's definitely a couple things where I sort of watched it and felt like, oh, hold on, why is this happening? But overall, I thought Jurassic World the first was good. Yeah, I enjoyed the first Jurassic World film. Yeah, mm, really. And I, because okay. when I when I'm I went numbered, <laughs> because I don't know, and I haven't seen Jurassic, the original Jurassic Park two or three, and so when I went back and started with Jurassic World, and there was suddenly a giant fucking theme park, I thought I'd missed something. Yeah. So Jurassic World, the idea behind it is that twenty two years after the original Jurassic Park incident. So perhaps we didn't go over it enough, but like the first Jurassic Park oh, yeah, film, okay. so for the from, two people that don't know, on, it's like a disaster. Spoiler alert, right? Yeah, I'd say so. We'll I mean, talk, yeah, we'll, we'll just talk about the rest of the They're newer movies. If you give a fuck about these newer films, we're probably just going to spoil them. Yeah. So, so Jurassic World 1 came out in 2015. So yeah, and then this new one's just come out this go year in 2018. Him. So go see him if you care. So Jurassic Park, the original, is kind of like... It ends with disaster. It ends with the park that he set up being kind of trashed. And it wasn't ever really a theme park. It's like a safari path with some dinosaurs. So yeah. then Jurassic World opens up. And it, the idea is that 22 years later, they've gone back to the island and they've actually set up a functioning theme park that's like this huge, big Disneyland kind of It looks of like thing. a modern theme park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's been going successfully for like 10 years. Yeah. And the main character is Bryce Dallas Howard's character, who's kind of like the woman in charge of the park. She's the, I don't know, the CEO of the park or whatever. She's, she's in charge of... Operations manager. In charge of park operations or something. Term. And like her nephews or something come and visit the park for the day and chaos ensues and that's this film. One thing that I thought was interesting was that when Bryce Dallas Howard's character is introduced, she's talking about how nobody's really impressed with dinosaurs anymore because <laughs> they've been around for 20 years bit of a self-aware kind of thing yeah then she goes on to say that they're going to start genetically modifying their own dinosaurs which right. forms like the plot of the film yeah yeah and I think it makes sense for the Jurassic Park universe because dinosaurs have been around for 20 years mm. and you'd expect public interest to kind of drop off a bit. And then also it makes sense watching it yeah. 20 years later because cloning extinct species is less of a science fiction kind of thing than it was when yeah, Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, it is. We can out. do it. Yeah. yeah, so I think... <laughs> can we? Yes. Yeah, you can clone yeah. shit. So I think in the early... They clone sheep. Yeah, yeah but like, like an extinct, extinct shit? Things that are still alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, okay. Because <laughs> I feel like just for a second that you guys were like, and as we all know, we can clone yeah. dinosaurs now, so that's not <laughs> no, impressive no, no. when you breeze past it. Like yeah. Barbara Streisand cloned her dogs, like, <laughs> just this year. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Of course um, she did. So it's yeah. like, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, we still we're can't clone up. dinosaurs, <laughs> yeah. but... 
Because I guess in 1993, that would have been like science fiction. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know when Dolly the Sheep happened. I think that was like, was it like the late 80s? Yeah. Or like 87 kind of? But this sort of shit was definitely still like, in the way of the future. Like, it was... I think it's safe to say fucking cloning a dinosaur is equally impressive now as it was 20 years ago. It's not like in 2018 people are jaded, like, ugh, the whole cloning a dinosaur thing again. (laughs) But I definitely know what you mean about how like it's... But that's because no one... That's a distinct point between the audience of us and the audience of the people who would go to Jurassic World. World yeah. is that in their world? Andrew sitting on his high throne. <laughs> no, in their world, they did do that. Yeah, they so. did. They were able to. They did do it. Right. And yeah. They okay, did it. They right. saw the fallout. Yeah. Everyone got over the fallout. It's been corporatized again. Yeah. And then what I kind of assumed from that moment in the film is okay. They did it again. Other than what I'm watching right now. Yeah. So yeah. that there must have been multiple instances of dinosaurs being cloned. Normal dinosaurs and people could see it really anywhere they wanted and yeah. they got bored yeah you know it happened in 10 years a lot of eccentric billionaires probably opened up different <laughs> shit but so yeah i assumed that it became a public enough spectacle that people were aware of you know it, yeah, it could exactly. happen and jurassic world anyone can clone a fucking dinosaur now so we're doing weird shit. but we're making dinosaurs i don't think it really shows you much of that but for whatever reason yeah. this park has this drive to then develop new attractions and so they're cloning these new dinosaurs and they're sort of combining t-rex dna with other crazy dna to make like a super t-rex and yeah. that sort of shit and i think that kind of lets them bring back some more of the ethical questions that we kind of said were in the first one because yeah. the characters in the first one are sort of like well this isn't right. This is like against nature. And what are you trying to do here? And if dinosaurs yeah. have been around for 20 odd years, I guess it makes less of a sense for them to have that reaction. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was interesting that Chris Pratt's character, who's kind of the naysayer in this one, he uses arguments saying that like, these are actual living creatures. They're not numbers on a spreadsheet. That was and something I thought was really interesting was the idea of looking at dinosaurs as like animals rather yeah. than monsters, which I think Jurassic World and Jurassic World 2 focused on a lot more than the original one did. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So in this one, there's a scene where Chris Pratt comes across Across, like a dying dinosaur and he soothes it you know in its final moments right and i think that's in kind of contrast in the first film where they come across a sick, sick dinosaur, dinosaur and, and they cater to its objective needs but they don't address the emotional needs of it right. as like a creature that has a subjective experience and maybe that's something that comes with the idea of in this world they've lived with dinosaurs for 20 years and they've developed this relationship with them or th- this association with them as animals rather than just like these freaks and these kind of novelties yeah so as you said they're not monsters in this film they're yeah. animals and when the dinosaurs get killed for whatever reason you're not like oh man you know you don't really think about it but I feel like in this one because they kind of set them up in that way well, so, he, so, so Chris Pratt is like a an animal tamer like he's kind of like a lion tamer type character fucking but ex- he has navy slash dinosaur animal expert oh no see I didn't I, they didn't quite go into his backstory I didn't mind yeah, the I idea agree. of him as this like lion tamer kind of guy I didn't mind that he and was so, ex navy I think he said he was with the Navy, but he didn't say what he oh, did Oh, fuck off. <laughs> you got to get your prepositions don't right, man. Don't say the words <laughs> if they don't fucking mean anything. Well, no, I mean, I think the idea was that he's sort of competent and fit and he knows his way around is a gun. Is he training fucking dolphins? Stuff. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a Navy dolphin What's he trainer. doing? No, I, I didn't mind it. So the idea is that Chris, I Pratt, minded. Chris Pratt's <laughs> character is this lion tamer type guy who has a good relationship with these four velociraptors that they have in whatever cage it is in the theme park yeah, go somewhere. Go beers after lunch. And so like... <laughs> So, like, they have names, and he has this clicker that, like, you would train a dog, he can sort of control them a bit. And that comes into play later in the film. Yeah. I felt like 
This was a much more corporate experience emblematized by when we hear the main Jurassic Park theme in yeah. Jurassic World and there literally isn't a dinosaur on the screen. <laughs> we're, we're getting an aerial shot of the park with the buildings itself. Yeah. And I felt like that was 100% representative of what this film was. It was moved on from caring about why we invented dinosaurs and all of the issues and questions that arise from that. Yeah. And we've moved on to what are the issues with monetizing this. Well, I think that was one of the main plots of the film as well, was the idea of doing things that are ethically questionable, like modifying the cloned dinosaurs to make new dinosaurs in order to make more money. And they, they even have, yeah. there's a whole yeah. line where she literally says like, oh, it's Verizon presents the new Indominus Rex dinosaur. And there's some like fucking IT guy in the corner that rolls his eyes. It was like, oh, it sounds so gross. Yeah, that So it's like definitely a bit, a bit self-aware. You, actually, I reckon. I don't think it was self-aware at all. Or I think it was, but it didn't, my, my like 25 words or less is this film was self-aware but didn't do any of the work necessary to overcome the issues that it was self-aware of it said yeah we know and then it, it wasn't actually good yeah. despite well, that well there was definitely some problematic shit and I kind of hate when people poke holes in like oh why did this happen in the film but I feel like there were some pretty there were some holes oh that boy, were so you're glaringly the wrong guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were some holes that were so glaringly obvious and I was like oh well, come on there's a whole opening scene in the film where Chris Bratt's doing his Velociraptor thing and he goes out of the cage and he opens the door and it's like an airlock system where he goes he opens the door to the big cage where they are and he's in a smaller sub cage and he has to close that door to open the other door to get out yep. right it's like good good great so even if when you open the door the fucking animals get out there's still another ca- they, and they can't escape I feel like I'm over explaining it the point is they have this giant fuck off enormous new Tyrannosaurus Rex that they go to great lengths to say like this thing will destroy everything and anyone it comes into contact with so let's keep it in this cage and there's only one giant fucking door that some dude it leaves open and that's how it gets out. Yeah, that takes like a solid 30 seconds to close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was ridiculous. ridiculous. Ugh, yeah. This film was such a criminal of that we had scenes there because we wanted the scenes there not yeah. because it makes well, sense. I, I th- thought that it- that was a bit weird in the first one. Like in the first Jurassic Park, there's that iconic scene where the Tyrannosaurus, his uh, like leg, he's booming and his footsteps and they can hear it coming and they look down at the cups of water and they're like rippling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize at the time they were in a moving fucking car. <laughs> what they went in a moving car when that happened. Well, whatever. They they were, and then the car stopped, and they had these fucking no, no. cups of water. Why they, have they got cups of water in the, the that's Jeep? That's when Jeff Goldblum's sitting there because he's injured and the car is stationary. Yeah, but then where did the cups of water come from? Who has like an open fucking cup of water in a car? Not me. You're I right. think I think that having an open cup of water in a car is a far more excusable, unexplained feature than like <laughs> not having a fucking giant airlock system for the most dangerous thing you've ever yeah. built in the world. Oh, then there's that whole thing, and I feel like this got a lot of traction when the movie first came out. The idea that like Bryce Dallas Dallas Howard's character, she's like running through the jungle halfway through the movie, and she's still got fucking high heels on. Yeah, and which like is so dumb. There was a, a a bit of critical analysis that I read on this. It addresses that. It, that she's wearing high heels in the yeah. film itself. Chris Pratt's like, I'm going to have to go and save the nephews. And <laughs> she's like, well, I'm coming with you. And they're standing on top of a fucking cliff. And he's like, what are you What are you wearing? Like, Looking like that? And she's got like office attire on. Yeah, exactly. She's got like fucking decent high heels on. And she like unbuttons a shirt and like ties it in a knot down at the bottom. And she's like, all right, I'm ready. This is a legit. I wrote down an interaction <laughs> about how this went because it was yeah, so yeah. fucking stupid. It was so dumb. He's like, what, dressed like that? And she fucking like... Yeah, he says, what's that supposed to mean? She says, it means I'm ready to go. And he says, okay. (laughs) But let's get one thing straight. I'm in charge out here. You do everything I say exactly as I say it. To which she says, excuse me? To which he says, just relax. (laughs) 
Which isn't a response to the question, excuse me. And I definitely see what you're saying in that it seems like they're almost trying to be self-aware, but they fuck it up anyway, right? Yeah, like, no. They, it's they, this whole fucking thing where there's this businesswoman kind of thing that goes out yeah. into the thing and she could very easily have been turned into something competent and they were trying to, or not. Or she could have been like a businesswoman kind of person stuck in a jungle, but they sort of tried to flip halfway between it. Where yeah. And, and didn't well, do a good job this, at all. It's this classic Hollywood thing of showing you a symbol of a problem and acting like that is addressing the problem when it's actually not at all. Because yeah. it's just representing the issue and saying, we know this exists, but they're not solving the issue. Right? <laughs> because for the rest of the entire film, she's still like that. Yeah, it's weird. And this critic and they, was they like, make a point several times in this uh, Jurassic World 2 of showing that she's wearing like good, <laughs> sturdy boots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, several yeah, times. yeah. Which, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the first scene we see her in, it actually starts on her heels and then tracks up to yeah. show the rest of her body. And then the <laughs> Second scene when she gets off the plane, they're like, "Look, she changed in her boots. We listened. We got you. We heard all fucking sixty thousand of you that wrote us letters. Yeah. Well, no. See, see other yeah. than like a little, a couple little conversations or moments like that in the film, like, oh, come on. Actually, that overall is pretty good, right? I enjoyed it. You might not have. I enjoyed the few little yeah. tongue-in-cheek references to the original Jurassic Park, and I liked that the original Jurassic Park had its own place within the mythos of this world and the mm. new thing. There's this like technician that works in the theme park that was wearing like a T-shirt with the original. Park logo on it, and they're like, "What are you doing? Don't people died in that incident, man? Don't talk about it." Yeah, and See, like I saw, read like, that as the a... ruin of an old jeep in the jungle, and they go and visit the old ruined visitor center from the first movie, and I thought it was kind of cool to have that set up as like it had its own place in that world. What I, I did cool. like about that scene where they went to the site of the original Jurassic yeah. Park yeah, yeah, yeah. was that it wasn't chocked full of references and like explanatory oh this is where Jurassic Park happened like, yeah, yeah. Like that it, you just had to recognise yeah, it yeah it was more of an easter egg kind of thing than like mm. just uh, yeah exactly just in case you forgot we're related yeah, to that yeah. So, no, see, I, that scene with the guy that was wearing the shirt from the original Jurassic Park when I was watching that I felt that was a pretty big fuck you from <laughs> the producers of the film that were just like we know that we're living up to this insane thing but how about you just move on. Yeah. Well, no, um, I see. It. I, mean, I don't know because I, she she says like maybe that's disrespectful, and he's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, blah, 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 blah. and then she's like, <laughs> never wear that again. And I I heard that line, and I was like, right. So they're telling me forget about the original film, stop comparing us to that. Well, no, we're I not think that. I think literally within the context of the film, they're like the symbol you have on your shirt cel- is celebrating something that was re- was responsible for the death of several people. But this film exists as a celebration of the first film's success. Yeah, but you got to. Yeah, but like I, I'm saying that in this specific case, I don't think that a line in the film is supposed to make some sort of grandiose point about the franchise in reality. I think that in this case, the guy was wearing a logo that represented something that in that film represented a tragedy and she was like that's disrespectful that's this fucking tragedy like it'd be like wearing I can't even think of a good example I just think it's like she's like nah man that's disrespectful you can't like yeah but it's literally it's a fucking money making thing built atop the rubble of this ruined park where people died that is way more disrespectful than wearing a fucking (laughs) shirt that costs 300 bucks she's they're acting like they're not the blood sucking vampires (laughs) and that wearing the logo is the disrespectful bit like no inventing the dinosaurs and people got fucking killed and making money out oh, of it's, it it's, is the disrespectful it's, bit. It's definitely logically inconsistent, but I, I, th- I think you're getting too hung up on it. I, th- I think nah, I think the idea yeah. was like it was like look, it's, it was this dark past that we don't really want to talk about because maybe because that... if you compare us to that film, we it's... come off really unfavorably. Well, it's also like it's too similar. Like, no, it's not. It's not about comparing the films. 
It's not about comparing it, the different artwork. This film cost $130 million to make. Yeah. That scene itself would have cost thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> to make. They put that line in there so intentionally, and they put it in there knowing that the people that were watching that scene happen were going to be actively comparing it to the original Well, no, I, Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it was just the idea that they wanted to mention the original park because in that world, the park is there. It's like, why aren't people talking all the time about the original Jurassic Park? And there was yeah. kind of a theme park in front. They're like, yeah, look, we know, but like people don't like to talk about it in this world because it was this tragedy, and we don't really like talking about tragedy as people. We yeah. don't like talking about it. We just like building on <laughs> it and doing it again and having shit go horrendously wrong again because we have no moral compass. Yeah. It's yeah. just, in, I, I agree with the inconsistency of it, yeah. and that really bugs me. Yeah, I sort of agree with like what Andrew was saying. Oh, what? Well, no, not this to, get, <laughs> not to up, But yeah, I think that the fact that, as he said, the scene is in the film means that either intentionally or unintentionally, it's sort of discouraging a comparison Yeah, yeah. between yeah. the original film well, and this one. Yeah, okay, well, see, I thought Jurassic World is good enough in comparison to the original film. It's different, and it's for a different audience, but it's good enough that I don't think that the people while watching it were like, oh, man, we have to like discourage <laughs> really people from... Really distance ourselves from that yeah, one. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, it seems like saying that that would be what they were trying to do is like them halfway through the film realizing oh no what have we done we've made this piece of shit movie we have to like distance ourselves from it I think that there was enough other little loving references like when they go to the original visitor center and the kid picks up these goggles they're the same goggles that in the very first movie yeah they're yeah, some kid picks up references. and he's like is yeah. that, are they heavy then they're expensive don't touch that and the other kid like picks it up and sort of goes, Ooh, but why are you so why why are they telling me not to make an active comparison because I, I I will assume that they're that's not. what that is well, <laughs> like, it's pretty <laughs> overt man and also like I'm not the only one that thinks that a lot of the critics that I was reading about yeah. looked at that scene as being an active comparison and I think it's a fair thing to do I, I think, think it's a fair thing to compare I mean yeah maybe it's but just I... so odd that they would do that and then also have like such pleasant nostalgia by referencing all of the like the banner that falls down that's like when dinosaurs rule the earth at the yeah. end of Jurassic Park 1 they yeah. walk over that there are the jeeps there's the, they go back to the original location it's odd because well, yeah. see I think that the, the fact that they reference the original film so strongly and that all, the, the, all these set pieces from the original film play such a giant role in the new one shows that they're not really afraid to reference it yeah I think that I think they're that willing it was... to capitalize on the nostalgia, yeah. <laughs> but they don't want to be disfavorably compared. And I think that that yeah, well, annoys no, me. No, no, it does though. Like... No, but they don't want to be compared at all, but they also want to capitalize on it. Yeah, because they're like, maybe we know we've made that... something that's not yeah, as good. Okay. Well, maybe that's just back to the inconsistency that's kind of yeah. annoying in the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's a really interesting point. Like, let's think about that. For I thought like where, <laughs> I thought where that space, I thought where that comparison exists in terms of that, like we made this film because the first one was successful. Yeah. We made it because we want to make money. Yeah. Not because someone wrote a book and it was great. Well, no, in, right? in, in this specific case, the director of Jurassic World was actually a huge fan of the original Jurassic Park, and I'm it was sure, like one of his yeah, favorite sure films as a kid. Yeah, because he, he, sto- he, he had an idea for a story, and he came to Spielberg. Colin, Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, he had an idea for a story, and he came to Spielberg and was like, I have this idea for a story. How would you feel about doing an original, another one? And Spielberg was like, oh, I, right. like, I like that you have this idea. And Spielberg pitched in some ideas as well. Then again, though, so I watched this interview where Spielberg was like, yeah, um, I liked that Trevor had like an idea for a story, and then he didn't just want to do another fucking Jurassic Park middle and then it cuts to like the director Trevor being like yeah I mean I had this idea but then you know Steven Spielberg came up with some other ideas like he recommended that like oh what if the film's also about like there's a park that's up and running and all the shit like well hold on yeah, that's the whole movie. The main movie. Yeah, <laughs> what was yeah. his idea? And I legit think so. Someone, someone <laughs> so that I, I was know. reading was describing this as like Colin Trevorrow, the director of this film, absolutely care took for the franchise. He did nothing controversial except the representation of Bryce yeah. Howard's character, which yeah, yeah, is yeah. terrible. But he did nothing that was going to displease people. He 
only made a film that was fine and yeah. would make money. I feel like that's, that's the what same as what I said about Steven Spielberg a couple of weeks ago. Like you watch his movies and they're always just fine. If you see Steven but Spielberg, you're like, he was so amazing. Well, I, I think like it's twenty years ago, <laughs> and I say this being highly critical of a lot of his stuff now. I think he yeah. genuinely made great films. Well, in the same way as art progresses and art builds upon art. Yeah, right? I think that if you took like a great Spielberg film, it might have been like a diamond in the rough back then. Mm. But I think you get a lot of fantastic films these days that are probably better than Steven Spielberg's best films just because of the way art develops and changes and builds upon itself yeah. in the same way as like Callum and I are both big fans of the Beatles and it's hard to get someone that doesn't give a fuck about that into them because you play them their old stuff and you're like isn't it great and if you don't have this like inherent love for it and there's so much as you can be objective about art people can sort of objectively be like yeah that's, that, that's good but there's all this other rock music that was made in the 90s and that's the noughties that's upon 60 years of progress that's if yeah. not better is like a lot more developed and sophisticated yeah. because yeah. it's built yeah. upon that it's, it's weird like we're saying like this. But that, all the other music's better than the Beatles but the point I'm trying to make is I feel like Spielberg perhaps had this reputation for doing this amazing stuff with the film and maybe he hasn't developed his own talent in the last 20 yeah, years absolutely. and people have surpassed so, him yeah. so maybe it's like the things he was making 20 years ago would have been doing a lot of new stuff and inspiring films that we see today yeah. but yeah. the stuff that he's doing now hasn't like adapted yeah. to that 20 years yeah. of progress and a yeah. good example of that is that a lot of the stuff that I read looked at like in Jurassic World Bryce Dallas Howard is like remiss for her like reproductive apathy and she doesn't yeah. want fucking kids and so like <sighs> he like makes her realize the error of her ways as she's around children and she watches it Spielberg's thing is like the family unit now. yeah well, and see, he always wants to have that like yeah but how does it affect the family and like what's <laughs> the family in this and I feel like you know when you look at how problematic his representation was of Bryce Dallas Howard's character it's really clear that his ideas are not up to date. He didn't direct the new... He was executive producer right. and had a shitload of influence. Yeah. Okay. To the point where I really think he probably had as much, if not more, to do with the end product of this film than the director. I mean, I, I mean yeah, he definitely had a bit of influence. You're right. Because there, there was... From the, what I've there read... Was a, there was a bit of collaboration. He, from what I've read, he was the person steering the boat. Right. And there was also like <laughs> there was also like four different people that were credited as writing the script for this new one. Yeah. And then story by two other fucking people. Yeah, so... Which is never a good sign. Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow was the director. Derek Connolly was the other guy who did the screenplay for both of these new Jurassic yeah. World films. Right. Derek Connolly has also worked on the short film Safety Not Guaranteed with Colin, which was basically the only thing that... That Colin had directed um, and Spielberg point. like plucked him as someone he trusted to make a fucking 130 million dollar movie and he also did like he wrote the screenplay for Kong Skull Island he's written on the new uh, some of the early stuff for Pacific Rim the new yeah. one he's also written the script for like the next Jurassic World um, which will be coming out in 2021 yeah also directed by Colin Trevorrow even though the, <laughs> the second Jurassic World film was not directed by Colin Trevorrow yeah um, the, 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 he wrote the second on one that we just saw was directed was by some other dude who's also done like nothing. He's done like yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one movie and then been called up for the big Weird fucking leagues. choices for directors, man. Because I feel like if you have better directors, they're going to make better choices. <laughs> these will be better movies. Well, it's you often get these like new talent. You see like, oh, this is this guy's first movie and it was fucking great. Like Get Out was um, Jordan from Key and Peele. That was his first movie and that was great. Jordan so, B. Peterson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily... <laughs> that, was, that was one for you, Patty. I don't necessarily think that you, you need to be experienced to always be writing a great no, movie. You, but there's been a lot don't. of franchises recently where it's like, yeah, he'd done like one movie that this guy thought was cool so he was called up to steer yeah. the helm of the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting we were just saying that maybe Spielberg hasn't progressed much as maybe should have in like 20 years yeah. of filmmaking and maybe like having like a new innovative director 
director is like I don't know. That's like a weird kind of. Well, yeah. So I, I definitely I feel like there are loads work. of directors that are pushing the envelope these yeah, days. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. See, maybe twenty or thirty years ago, if someone said Spielberg has a new film out, people would be like, "Oh, fuck, that'll be good. I'll go see that." And I feel like the closest possible director I can think of to that these days is like a Christopher Nolan. I was type. just thinking that as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. like if if you say like, "Oh, this director has a new film out," people you, like, oh, you would fuck. go see it on that. I feel like, like yeah. there's definitely less of a mainstream appeal behind directors in films as much as there is like actors or franchises or like even genres. You know, it'd be a lot more. Common to be like oh The Rock has a new movie coming out people want to see that or like there's this new comedy coming out and people go oh I want to see that like directors I I feel like I think it's very rare to be so well known as a director that your name alone means that people want to see it maybe it's just that I would agree but I think yeah that's it I think that's because the average moviegoer doesn't know much about how movies actually get made (laughs) and they don't know what factors cause similarity between films because an actor actually doesn't have much similarity unless it's like fucking Jeff Goldblum where he plays the same person in every film <laughs> like the the director even the digital photographer the editing the yeah. soundtrack all of those things come together to make a movie similar to things that those people have worked on previously but most people don't realize that that's where that similarity comes from they just think it's in the same series or whatever yeah. and that also explains why people expect the second one in a series to be as good as the first one but when the director who was great on the first one has just fucked off <laughs> and it's directed by whoever the studio could get to sign on to it yeah and he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, you people don't, really don't know, understand that. And you don't yeah. really know what you're going to be getting. Yeah, I exactly. Guess so. Yeah. Um, thinking more about the directors and that now, I wonder how much less input the different people from Jurassic World had in Jurassic World Two. Because so we were saying you may, you maybe didn't enjoy Jurassic World very much. I mean, Callum and I both thought it was fine. I I, I kind of enjoyed it. There I wasn't, were parts that I, I enjoyed. Yeah, like I I was enjoying. There was definitely some bits like like oh, come on, these kids are really annoying, or like oh, why is this happening? But overall, I thought no, that was good. That was good. I would not um, have called it good. Like, <laughs> sure, sure, Jurassic sure. World Two, I think, was laughably bad in several sections. That's how I felt yeah. about Jurassic World as well as Fallen Kingdom. Right. So, so in Jurassic... fact, I actually thought Fallen Kingdom was maybe better. <laughs> oh, no, I disagree. I, I, trim, I, I think it had significantly. I, I think that the parts that I didn't like about Jurassic World Yeah were overtaken by parts that I did like about Fallen Kingdom, but I thought that the parts that they were bad at were shared. I, I think that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was almost put together... We, written... we should just call it Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. or Jurassic World <laughs> 2 or something. Yeah, um, sure. So I think Jurassic World 2... Fallen Kingdom, <laughs> the, the most recent Jurassic Park film to come out. I think it almost feels like it was written by someone who'd only sort of read up about the other films on Wikipedia briefly, Which or had watched them. It was while, written by the same people. Watched them all on their focus. <laughs> even shit like there was an interview where Chris Pratt was talking about how this ranger character he plays is kind of different to the other characters he's played before, because often Chris Pratt is typecast as this goofy, lovable kind of guy. Yeah. In Jurassic World One, he's a bit of a hard ass, and he's a bit of a badass, yeah, and he's, he's not that goofy. Ass cardboard cutout with no personality that <laughs> well, see, anyone's ever made. I yeah. think Chris Pratt's good in it. I think he I think he brings something to that character that makes it not necessarily believable per se, but I think he's an enjoyable character to watch and he's one of the best characters mm. on screen. Like Bryce Dallas Howard, I feel I it's so unsure They're both what, given dog shit to Well work yeah, with. it's so unsure what that character's supposed to be, whether she's yeah. supposed to be like not a very practical person, whether she is a bit of a badass in the jungle, but you don't even really know what's going on. But in the second film, the first five minutes of Chris Pratt's on screen, he's being really goofy again and flirty in a way that he wasn't in the first one. In the first one I was turned off him because like the second that Bryce Dallas Howard goes to see him he's really sexually predatory yeah and it made and me I, really uncomfortable <laughs> it, it's it not endearing me, it, was, it made me kind of feel like Sam Neill and the blonde chick whatever from the first one they have a relationship that's kind of romantic oh, you know and the it's purple haired admiral in the latest Star Wars film <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry, her man. 
What? Laura Dern. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's her. It was, what a crazy... I thought you were just taking a hard left and like, sorry, fuck whatever you're saying. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, listening. Yeah. This is Star oh, Wars. Heard. <laughs> but so, so there's been like a romantic relationship you think in the first film mm. with love interest and things. It was fine. Also, but, Sam Neill's character was the one that was pressured into the idea of parenthood, which I thought was really nice. Because yeah, that in was... the latest one, it's like it fits with the feminine, the female like, stereotypical yeah. bullshit. Yeah. yeah, and the other one, it was like a subversion of masculine tropes, which I thought was great. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Well, so I think that in, in both of the Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, there were these love interest plot lines that didn't seem to be largely relevant or very well done at all. And yep. you're right. In the first one, That's Chris Spielberg. Pratt feels a bit, he comes on a bit too strong. Yep. And then the second one, his whole character changes. Yeah. In yeah. The first do, you, do you mean like between the films? Yeah. Between yeah, the yeah. films. Yeah. He, he, he yeah. feels like a different character in the yeah, second because he he's way yeah. goofier. Yeah. And then something else yeah, that's Guardians such a huge of the Galaxy, oversight. Chris Pratt was probably testing way better with audiences. And so they were just like, do <laughs> well, more of that. Apparently he was cast in Jurassic World before he got Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, right. And he became big after that. So yeah. maybe there was a bit of that. But in Jurassic World 1, they make this huge point about showing that Chris Pratt, sure, maybe he works for these velociraptors, but he doesn't have very much control over them at all. They're wild animals. And then yeah. they like retcon that in the second one a bit. Yeah, like exactly. And so there's this scene in the first one where like this guy falls into the cage and Chris Pratt like risks his life to get this guy out of the cage and almost gets attacked by the raptors himself. Yeah. And so you're like, oh fuck. And so as his relationship with the raptors sort of develops a bit over the course of the first Jurassic World, you're like, oh, okay, so he's getting a bit along better with the raptors, but it's still fucking dangerous. And so then in Jurassic World 2, The Fallen Kingdom, it, it retcons it completely and it goes back to showing Chris Pratt working with these raptors since they were a baby and saying like, this one raptor that you watched almost kill Chris Pratt in the first one is actually Chris Pratt's best friend yeah. and has empathy and understanding of like human speech it, yeah it's ridiculous well, it's like, in the, in the yeah. first one like I think when we're introduced to Chris Pratt's character it's like a scene where he's doing his little training thing with the raptors yeah. and everyone's like oh man you finally got that blue raptor to do what you wanted it to do yeah, yeah exactly. you've been trying it was like to do that for line. ages it was like yeah. it's not a, yeah. it wasn't a significant thing it wasn't like solving a puzzle it was it like was doing something, something basic simple shit. and yeah. he was like did you see that we did it yeah. and then in the yeah. second one he's like oh this is the most obedient like, yeah. yeah, she'll do whatever you want. Yeah, in the, yeah it in just the, she'll suck your dick. In the, <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, with teeth. Oh, mama. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, in the second one, it's literally it will go against its very nature and respect you, even if you show signs of yeah, weakness. Even if which that's is... the literal opposite of the thing that you were told oh, in the previous, which one. I kind of hated. If and I so... could summarize both of these last two films, it would be with the word inconsistent. Oh. If I had to summarize both of these films like in a concise kind of way, I would say... Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Dinosaur theme park. <laughs> Within themselves, between each film, and between the first one in the franchise yeah. and these two, mm. there is no consistency. Characters change what th their approaches, their attitudes, their interactions. There's dinosaurs aren't consistent either. Like they just they they sort of really bend. Dinosaurs are in this one, and they're not real. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it felt like they didn't say to themselves before they really got stuck into making the films. What is this creature actually like? There, there what does it do? What can it do? What can't it do? What will it listen to? What won't it listen to? You know, Spielberg's famous for doing that. Like, oh, it, uh, a big thing isn't no until it moves thing and uh, they, yeah, they, they think they're saying. safe and then a T-Rex is actually right fucking next to them yeah, and, right. and it moves yeah. and it's like oh it's right there they do that in this one with the Indoraptor and it was hiding behind this plinth that was like clearly much smaller than the Indoraptor <laughs> yeah. was yeah. there's no fucking like they would they would have had to go out of their fucking way for it to work there, there's an IT tech nerd guy who is like sometimes this incompetent piece of shit and, and sometimes, sometimes really highly fucking capable and sometimes like 
arrogant asshole. Yeah, kind of sassy like, sometimes. No one is internally consistent. Did you yeah. think that everyone in this movie was an idiot? Everyone, yes. every character. Yeah, yes, I, yeah. absolutely. Everyone was an incompetent, fucking useless problem solver. To the point where, like, they have to team up to get this blood sample out of this dinosaur that's, like, falling asleep. In both, asleep. by the way. There's this scene where, like, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard's like, I can't quite reach. And Chris Pratt's like, you'll have to climb up. And she's like, oh. <laughs> what? You mean, like, she's never, like, climbed anything yeah, before? Yeah, but it, the problem is not that problem. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you've got to climb on a fucking T-Rex. That's a scary thing to do. She probably <laughs> just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. But the problem was they did didn't make her say, I don't want to do that. They yeah. made her say, what do I do? She made it to be like, my arms aren't long enough. What should I do? And yeah, Chris exactly. Pratt's like, step forward. He's like, oh. Like, I'm not currently straddling a T-Rex. How do I straddle a T-Rex? It's like, well, you've got to straddle the T-Rex. And she's like, ah. Oh. Yeah. It was like they didn't fucking check anything in the script. Literally. It was like, all first draft bullshit. Like, there oh. was, there's a, spoiler alert, there's a huge, big-ass fucking vat of hydrogen cyanide gas, right? They tell you it's it's hydrogen cyanide. Yeah. That's not what hydrogen cyanide does. They have like this slow moving cloud of gas that like slowly pervades the entire facility that they've got. Hydrogen cyanide doesn't do that. I'm pretty sure it's an invisible gas. It's not fucking mustard gas that yeah. like rolls slowly <laughs> along well, the, the battlefield. I don't, Make, well, but my well, point is they weren't consistent because they wanted to have the rolling gas cloud thing, yeah, yeah. but then they said it's hydrogen cyanide. There are gases that will do you, that. You didn't have to say it. Yeah, Make well, it. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> and, and the internal consistency of like having this prison facility be built on the sh- in America, but then also it's got an auction house built into it. <laughs> also, there's a giant vat of poison in the basement. <laughs> so the bad the bad the bad guy in the film turns out to be a bad guy. He's like smuggling these dinosaurs rather than off to a nature reserve, like he said he would, back to his like underground lair under his mansion. And it just seems like every his time it cuts back, bad guy yeah. hangout. Place. So like every yeah. time it cuts back to what the bad guy's up to, it's like his house has just tripled in size. Think, <laughs> yeah, and has so. all of the new rooms that can be. Yeah, yeah. allow for the next step of I the plot. I think the interesting thing is that his whole plan is to capture these dinosaurs and sell them to get, like, the $100 million he needs to start his yeah. own, like, genetic modifying yeah. black arms operation. Yeah. But he's operating at, like, this enormous <laughs> mansion and finances this, like, <laughs> the expedition to go capture oh my the dinosaurs. God. And it's just, like, this really high-tech thing that, that's like probably less than the budget for this film like I'm sure he had that money yeah, like, this film, yeah it's this, a good point yeah this film cost way more than that to make its budget was 187 million dollars they sold four, like 14 dinosaurs or whatever and they should have just made it was like this 120, film yeah exactly that's the thing that was another consistency point is that like these billionaires that are bidding on these fucking was, dinosaurs they're not going to give a single fuck about 12 million dollars that's yeah, exactly. nothing these it, people have the 12 does, billion yeah. dollars on lunch <laughs> the plot doesn't make any sense it'd be better if the bad guy sat down and started spitballing great ideas for rom-coms <laughs> it's like it's, it's, it's great these films have low yeah, budgets people literally. love to go see them oh, and man. if dinosaurs have been commonplace and have been around and have been cloned for like 20 fucking years I guarantee you that there are cheap shit <laughs> knockoff dinosaur <laughs> clone projects with like going th- on. three fucking legs yeah but they don't explore that idea at all because they act like like, oh, it got washed out into the fucking ocean. No explanation of why the island is underwater now, by the way. What which do you mean? it is. The island park that they had the first one on is like half underwater. No, it wasn't. Yeah, they drive the gates in. The the first scene in this no, film opens with a fucking no, submarine. The gates the gates are there because there was a there was a fuck off big like water dinosaur and the gates were there to keep the water dinosaur in. Then how did the Indominus Rex skeleton get there? That's where it because died. Do you, yeah, it died in the it water. Died at the end of Jurassic World One, yeah. there's that big dino fight 
and the oh, T-Rex and it pushes like, it into yeah. the water. Yeah, uh, which exactly. by the way, All right. like in that scene, the T-Rex and the Indomitus Rex yeah. are fighting, and they break this barrier, which yeah. is the only thing separating the park from that Mosasaur, that giant yeah. water beast. <laughs> so it just pops up and just plucks it out. Yeah, kills it instantly. Yep. That wasn't going to protect the like park guests. <laughs> no, I had the same saw. fucking thought. Like, yeah, Caleb's why didn't it just a... eat the guests? Caleb's issue with the film were mainly W like WHNS related. You know, I think that's another really excellent example, and I'll stop fucking harping on about it. But yeah. of, of consistency, because they wanted the dinosaur. They wanted a scene where the mosasaur jumps out of the water and it plucks these two other dinosaurs off the edge. <laughs> but they also needed a scene where an audience was watching it, and the way that they made the scene where the audience was watching it was right on the edge of the water. Yeah. But you can't tell me. That this monster is bound by, if you separate the audience by like a tiny little barrier, that's fine. They're yeah, yeah. There's it, no way that it, wouldn't it makes, be fine. It makes sense. Yeah, as an audience member, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and I do think Unlike about that kind of stuff. And it film. does ruin it for me. Yeah. You know, well, when I, I see it and I'm like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It, it's all this sort of shit. Like, um, this film also has like three there's always a bigger fish moment <laughs> where people are about to get killed by a dinosaur and, and a, a bigger, bigger dinosaur, dinosaur grabs that dinosaur. Yeah. Like three. Well, it's you... fucking ridiculous. And the first Jurassic World also had like two of those. <laughs> Talking about like character inconsistencies, Fuck. like in the first Jurassic World, someone explicitly asks Chris Pratt to track a dinosaur. And he's like, dude, I was in the, I was in the Navy, not the Navajo. And you're like, oh, that's funny. And then the second one, yeah. um, someone's like, can you track this dinosaur? And Chris Pratt's like, no yep. problem. And starts looking I at I learned footprints. how to do this in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. oh, it's just, it's just dumb. And there's all sorts of shit where, like, these people have snuck onto a boat and have snuck into the T-Rex cage to get a sample of its blood. And they're making the most fucking noise. Yeah. And it, oh. Yeah. And, like, in the first one, the two nephew kids and go over a waterfall and they're, like, completely soaked to the bone. <laughs> and then the next scene, one of them pulls out a dry box of matches from his family. <laughs> <laughs> and like they light a torch they burn the banner of when dinosaurs yeah, yeah, yeah. they wrap it around a dinosaur bone they burn that it's Fit, like suited, which is quite suitable whether or not the director realised it no 100% <laughs> they realised it and again I think that was a fuck you but you can't burn material like that that's not how a torch works and I reckon again I feel like your hang ups are way too specific when there were so many like character based problems and plot based problems I also problems. have those like, problems hold on that matchbook was wet and now it's dry and the, the reason why and I understand that that comes across as extremely nitpicky but I'm obviously acknowledging no, no, all you of said the, totally normal. I'm obviously <laughs> acknowledging all of the huge glaring issues with the film as well. But yeah. my point is that the the systemic issues with planning this film extend yeah. right down into the tiny little nitty gritty bits. Yeah. But it would that would kind of be okay if they didn't include those nitty gritty bits, but then they do, and it's just <laughs> and a, it's just it's weird. just a problem. Yeah. Like, well, see, you're I like reckon they include all these things they don't need to include. Yeah. And then, and exactly. Then fuck it up. And, and fuck holes. it up. Yeah. 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 Well, like see, I reckon concept art had a kid with a dinosaur bone torch <laughs> and they were like yeah love that yeah. and the director's like okay yeah fuck fine. sort of in summary of the two Jurassic World films they both had little nitpicky things where mm. I watched them be like oh come on I think the problem was though with, with the second one there was all this other shit going on where like fundamentally the characters they had established were then totally different and there was all this plot There's shit no that motivation. happened that just totally didn't make any sense yeah. so I'm like right well now it's just annoying whereas in the first one I feel like I could forgive the nitpicky stuff as part of this whole sci-fi kind of world okay. or even as just part of like oh it's a dumb movie yeah where, like, I don't do that yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> where like I'm, I'm actually having fun and I can suspend disbelief mm. about like the distance that you have to be behind the fence in order for this dinosaur which is 26 metres long and has a reach of this to not be able to reach you there oh, no I don't care it's like it's fine Jurassic World 2 fucked it up so much that I just couldn't, you couldn't, look couldn't past forgive it, it anything yeah. yeah I actually did think I don't know what you guys think but the first part of Jurassic World 2 where it's like that action sequence um, you mean like the very opening kind of scene or I, I actually thought I thought the very opening scene with the submarine was really strong I, I really that liked that I was, and it was yeah. cool yeah I think that was awesome I think it only would have been strengthened by removing the cliched character dialogue and if they'd just <laughs> done the submarine thing I think it would have been great but in general I actually was really captivated yeah. immediately yeah. and then it immediately fucked it up and lost my interest <laughs> but the scene where the volcano explodes and they go off the cliff in the ball yeah that was like one, it was obviously multiple shots, but it was edited to be a continuous shot. And I actually thought it was really good. That was a really good suspenseful um, moment yeah. in the film. He I, was, and it was the, the coming director straight of from this like, next one, J.A. Bayona. I don't think he's really done fucking Not really that anything. much at all. I think he did A Monster Calls, which I've never heard of. Yeah, no. Some no, of the no, orphans that, that I've never heard of. Little weird art The films, Orphanage, yeah. Nothing yeah, that people really yeah. would, would know. Yeah. But action-wise, I think he did a really good job. I actually think, I remember watching that scene, like yeah, when they go over and they're sinking in the pool yeah. and and also yeah. the very first scene. Those were like out of the Jurassic World films. I think those were the two most kind of thrilling. I would agree. Kind of suspenseful. Both scenes. Yes. underwater yeah. scenes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it, it doesn't help that like the ball scene where they're rolling in the gyro ball thing away from the lava. It doesn't help that like it came from a five minute fucking eye roll scene where Chris Pratt is almost standing in, in lava and is all but just going like, oh, it's a little hot here. Yeah. And they wanted to, they spent <laughs> way too like, long on Chris Pratt doing the like, I can't move my body. Oh, the whole like Octo Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like from uh, Wolf of Wall but Street like, where he has to like do the thing where he's getting back to the car oh, and he's like it's suffering like, from dude, paralysis. you've shown that this lava is hot enough to melt bones and boil car paint and Chris Pratt's like lying right next to it and he's totally fine. It yeah. Just, it just bro- it also, broke. Also like you shot this dinosaur with like fucking <laughs> sedatives and yeah. and a nine mil bull. All of the medical shit in this film is yeah, bullshit. You gotta get he got it. shot with like a vial of trank that would trank a fucking T-Rex, T-Rex. and he gets up like four minutes later. Yeah, I mean... We, I, I feel like those sorts of details, man. they didn't give enough details to be able to like credibly complain about it. But I, it's definitely like, oh. you can err on the side of them being like, you know what, maybe they fucked it up, considering the entire rest of the film I just think up. that you could do different shit. <laughs> it's just, in the same way Perhaps, that, like, yeah. in the first one, the main issue that I had in this way was like, no, maybe it was in Jurassic World. I think they do it in both. But yeah. when people's radios drop out and it's like all crackly and it's like, what? I couldn't hear you. <laughs> that is a bullshit literary device and yeah. no one should well, ever I've, use you're it. Right. Yeah, it is in both. both I yeah. feel like that yeah. is... I've written down here like it's annoying that the plot of the first one is entirely... comes back to like, oh, they didn't have a phone that worked. Yeah. And so like the woman's living yeah. the phone like, there is a dinosaur that will kill you. And he's like, what's that? I can't hear yeah. you. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so shit. But I feel like that's been such a trope for, in films since like the 70s when there weren't any... How like, do there people have been, there have been still films where write that in their scripts? Yeah, I don't know. Well, there have been films where there weren't even mobile phones, and I feel like yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could probably complain about these two films for a little while, but we gotta <laughs> gotta wind it up at some yeah. point. Do you want to do a bit of news first, or we could? In in summary, I'd say the first Jurassic Park. I'd never seen it. Was fantastic. Yeah, yeah definitely watch the first Jurassic Park. And absolutely. I think don't bother with. There are other Jurassic Park films. There's two and three. Don't watch those. Oh, really? Generally Are they not good? Not I think Steven Spielberg did the second one as well. Yeah, and it, people say like it rapidly goes downhill. Okay, well, so. I really enjoyed the first one. I would be more tempted to see the two and three in the first trilogy than I would be to go and revisit these new Jurassic World films. Well, 
Gear um, up because there's another Jurassic World coming in 2021, oh. baby. And <laughs> you know it's us? only gone from strength to strength. Does this does this kick us right into our um? Oh, I've got a little bit. <laughs> of a little news segment. Yeah. Right. Oh, just yeah. To summarize, they're spectacular films in a totally boring way, yeah. and there's a lot of fucking issues with them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I, I recommend do. going to see Jurassic World. Go yeah, and watch okay. Jurassic Park instead. Go join Jurassic Park three times instead. All right, so ju- yeah, just a bit of quick news. Neil Blomkamp, who you may know from District Nine and Elysium, yeah, is directing the new. Robocop film yeah I saw this which should be really interesting he's he's really good. good and I think he's a fantastic sci-fi and action he's director he's such a good has world a, builder mm. the way that he does that is awesome and he, and he has a unique sense of style that I think means yeah. it'll be interesting to watch that yeah yeah so I think that will be super cool I'm looking forward to it yeah Ant-Man and the Wasp Topped the US box office this week. Oh wow! I, I, I don't think I'm really that interested in watching it. Um, no, neither am I. Has it has it been getting good reviews? Have you looked it up on? I haven't. Metacritic or even better, Rotten Tomatoes. I have not <laughs> looked it up on either of those sites. But um, right. well, yeah. if you do look I'm it up, make sure. sure you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes because that's the that's that's the. The true yeah, blue choice yeah. there. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> um, we'll talk about this in the car on the way home, Oscar. So yeah, that uh, topped the charts, earning uh, seventy six million, which is <laughs> actually really low. Yeah, I mean, I have no, I have no idea about numbers. Have you seen? I, I saw in the news this week that fucking Joaquin Phoenix is going to star as the Joker in a yeah, new in movie, a new that's, in a yep. new Batman kind of movie that's going to be filming later this year. Yeah, we've had He's, so many Batman movies, you know who's a Batman adjacent movie. No. Neither do I. Okay, no, I don't know. Um, but I, I just, I just, in typical beef station uh, style, just <laughs> read the headline. A third of a news story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had so many fucking Batman movies recently, like coming off the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, which to be fair, wrapped a little while ago now. I'm pretty we've sure had, that was like six years ago. Yeah, I think it would have been, yeah. yeah. But we had then the Suicide Squad Batman, uh, and we've had... Batman um, versus Superman. The Batman versus Superman, yeah. which is another different one. And then we've had like Mark Hamill becoming more and more popular as the Joker in several video games that yeah. have been out recently. And now this guy, it's like the fifth iteration of Batman in like a decade. Yep. Is there is there like a new Suicide Squad film? Is that what this is? Or it doesn't really. Say, yeah, I mean, the I'm article sure. I, the article I saw says it's kind of like an origin story kind of thing about the Joker, which I guess would be interesting to watch because there's a comic book that's one of the like most respected Batman comics of all time. Isn't that what Suicide Squad's Joker bit was meant to be? I didn't say it. I don't know. Like the Killing Joke. I think it's the Killing Joke. It's a comic that's all about yeah, the origin yeah. story it's like of the, the Dark Joker. Knight yeah. of Joker. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Which is really good. So if they yeah. go anywhere near that, that'd be great. Yeah. But I haven't read cool. any more of the articles, so I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Um, no. so Speaking no of idea. not reading the articles, we have a little uh, <laughs> another little update in our now weekly Beef Station apology section. We ended last week on a pretty big bit of excitement where we we officially announced that the live action Sonic movie was going to be coming out fucking tomorrow. Yeah. Turns out we were wrong. Comes out in 2019. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry to I have misled you, Beef Station listeners. Genuinely but, disappointed by but that. By this point, you have no right to be disappointed or even <laughs> feel betrayed because come on. Yeah been listening to us for hours now and there is documented empirical evidence that shows that we're morons and don't know what we're talking about yeah okay so uh scarlett johansson is a little it's a bit of a political one yeah Um, but so you know how scarlett johansson played protagonist of ghost Ghost in the shell yeah so she signed on to work with the same director again oh no this time playing a trans man (laughs) it's like no scarlett we're going (laughs) i need someone to play rosa parks in my new film you in yeah (laughs) Jesus, really? Um, so it's a new film called Rub and Tug, and she was meant to play. A Sorry, trans what's it called? Rub and Tug, <laughs> and she was meant to play a trans man. This sounds like someone was trying to punk Scarlett Johansson, and no. she was like, "Yeah, sure, sounds great." No, kind of like was that the same um, fucking director as well. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Kind of like you know, there's there's like some college humor video from like ten years ago about Nick Cage. Uh, we'll say yes to any 
movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Kinda, it's kind of like that. Like someone's yeah. called up Skelly Hansen and be like, yeah, uh, you play a trans man and it's called Rub and Tug. And, yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, sign me up. Because, oh, fuck. So anyway, she's dropped out. Yeah, I did. I did see public that, that backlash, she, um, which is um, good and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. Would have been one step better. They'd be like, "No, I knew it was crazy." If anyone said I accept, I agreed to do it, they were wrong. I never agreed to that. Yeah, shit. no, it's insane. Rub so, and tug, Jesus yeah, Christ. So she won't be doing it. <laughs> right. Well, on that bombshell, I think it might be time to end the program for yeah. another week. You know what? I can't get into the habit of ending the program like Jeremy Clarkson ends Top Gear. <laughs> no, we're pushing, that one's taken. We're pushing yep. the, the bounds of copyright law as much as it is anyway. Yep. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Oh, I've no. Been, I've been Oscar. I'm Andrew. And I've been Callum. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>